Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks podcast that would not be drafted at number 10. I don't think we'd be drafted at number 25. We're undrafted, babe. You know, we're we are undrafted prospects, baby. That's who we are. That's our that's the ethos of this podcast. That is who me and Dave Dufour, my guest today, we're we're you know, we're we're just we're first in the gym, last out, dive on the floor. We're hustle guys, you know. We don't need a draft pick. That's a, the culture Honestly, it's, it's, on this pod. That's the culture. It's better that way. It's better that way, you know. Like, I'm Tim Cato. I'd rather talk about the Mavericks. Uh, one one of the funny things is like when the when prospects get to about pick fifty, um, and their agents are like, actually, don't draft us. We, you know, we just let us be undrafted. We'll go. We'll go pick the team that that we want. You know, there's there's like legitimately at that point once once you once you uh, fall that far, you know, just. Don't don't shackle me to to some team that that barely has a half an interest in me, you know. I, I mean, choose. yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. 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 You'd rather be a, a undrafted free agent, I, I think, than a late second round pick. It just gives you a few more options, especially because you can start negotiating. I mean, you know, tampering exactly. is it also exists in the draft process that so. that said all all of this said you know if 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 we're undrafted guys we're definitely more of the cody than the kayla martin unfortunately oh i don't know about that man i can play so i don't you know. i'm i'm the uh i'm i'm the uh secret third brother named cade <laughs> cade martin yeah yeah that's who but i spelled am. with a uh, cade like with a k did you just say cade spelled with a i did spell with a cade but spell with a k oh boy because it's not he's not a twin that's true that's yeah. true. Okay. Well, this has been, this, we could, we could do, you know, just 30 minutes on the nuances of what it would be like to be a secret third Martin no. brother. No, I think we should talk about Damn. the Mavericks. I think we should I talk excited. about the Mavericks on, on the 77 uh, minutes. Podcast. Dave, you're a buzzkill and everybody hates when you're on this podcast because you, you're like a hall That's monitor, true. you know, you I don't know. let us talk about real stuff. But actually, we're going to talk about real stuff. Um, I, actually, so Dave, uh, I, I think it'd be fun to talk about something that is more, uh, you know, more a little bit more theoretical, but also like like power structures and, and things like that. And so I, I think later in this podcast, we will talk about, uh, you know, you haven't been on a while. I want your opinions on keeping, trading the pick, you know, just kind of where mm -hmm. the Mavericks stand. But it's not official yet for either of these two potential hires, but the Mavericks have been rumored to um, to Dennis Lindsay being added to the front office in some sort of role. And they've also been rumored to be favorites for Frank Vogel uh, joining as an assistant coach if Vogel doesn't get head coaching interests or, or get, you know, if he's not hired uh, for one of the now many openings around the league. I think it's a really interesting set of things. And, you know, I've heard that Lindsay, you know, even if he's not officially announced by an email yet, you know, I, I heard he was in Chicago, you know, and that, that he is, yes, that he is in some capacity working with advising the, the Mavericks front office. I, I think that one is locked and loaded. 
Um, I think it has been for a while. You know, I, I've I've heard that you know this is you know the conversations were happening in the season. You know, months back that that he was going to be involved in some capacity. You know, in fact, and this has been reported, and I, I think you've heard as much. You know, when the Mavericks had the the general manager opening a couple summers ago. You know, Lindsay was, you know, Dennis Lindsay was a person they talked to a lot about potentially being, you know, just the general manager that they hired. Obviously, they went with Nico Harrison. But this is somebody who has been linked to to Dallas. And now it does seem like he is is being added. Yeah, I mean, for a while, um, you know, like 2021, something like that, uh, I think is is when Dennis Lindsay wound up leaving the jazz. But it was before he left Utah that that I had heard. That, that there were some, con- maybe not conversations, but mutual interest, we'll say. Um, I'm, so, I think he and Cuban have a, some sort of kind of a good relationship. And so there was a lot of, there was a lot of smoke with that anyway, which is why I, it was so surprising to me when Nico Harrison got the job, because all I had heard for months was that it was going to be Dennis Lindsay. And, and I even heard that, you know, even after the Nico Harrison hire that, you know, a couple a couple names were floated to me. Not not Lindsay, but uh, one name specifically was floated to me. But just the idea that the Mavericks might hire another assistant general manager, another face or voice in the front office, that was something I heard two summers ago. And so the idea of them bringing somebody in this is not this is not new. This is something that had been considered in one form or another for quite some time. So to set the table of this conversation, what I think is interesting is that Jason Kidd and Nico Harrison are very clearly. You know, they they have the full support of the Mavericks as a franchise, which I think functionally means Mark Cuban. Uh, they have full support as the figureheads of the uh, the the coach, as you know, the head coach and the the, the front office. Um, and I say figureheads just to say like these are the people ultimately at the top making the decisions. I don't think there's any question about that. I'm not trying to minimize you know the role of either of either person, but I also think it's interesting that you know the team has kind of looked at the performances and how the past year went and decided, Hey, there does need to be a bit more experience in here, or there does be a need to be, you know, voices that are contrarian, you know, that, that, that can say or suggest stuff, um, you know, that, that is not, you know, within this, what's been described to me, certainly with the front office, a little bit of an echo chamber of, of opinions and, and voices. And, you know, I think that's a good functional thing for, any front office to have. And and I think from a coaching perspective, uh, you know, we certainly both feel that uh, Jason Kidd had a horrible, horrible showing last season. Um, you know, horrible. I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't think he was the number one reason for, for the season's failures, but I, I don't think that he was uh, a, a reason, you know, uh, making up for the, the flaws that this roster had. So, I'm curious as you know, you talk a lot about, you know, the, the nuances of, of the NBA and, and, you know, how the, how it works on the other side, um, you know, behind closed doors, you know, uh, and I just, I, I find it interesting, you know, like what, what do these moves, potential moves that, that we expect to happen that, that seem like they're headed in this direction, Lindsay, certainly. Uh, but what does it kind of represent in, in terms of what this team is doing and uh, what it can be? I mean, it feels like a little bit of a, oh crap moment, right? Oh crap. You know what? We've got some deficiencies. We maybe need a guy who's done this before uh, on a team building level, right? Like Nico Harrison has not, I I can't tell you he's done a bad job. I can't tell you he's done a good job. It's just, we, you know, not, we don't have a large enough sample size. Dennis Lindsay did a good job. 
Like he's done it before. This is why guys are retread all the time. Same with coaches. Jason Kidd, his track record coming into this was, you know, first year, pretty good. Second year, kind of rough. And hey, he's continued that trend. So both the moves on the surface, they to me, they make total sense. And I think that uh, it's pretty obvious what's at play. It's just, should you have maybe just done the opposite? <laughs> you know, I know now at the time, Frank Vogel was, was you know, still coaching in the, with the Lakers. Um, but maybe what they should have done was hired Dennis Lindsay and Nico Harrison at the same time and just paired them up. I mean, maybe this is a little bit of, I mean, we know who the decision maker is ultimately with this team. And, and maybe there, this is an admission that it is actually too much work for, for Mark Cuban, because it's not like this is his only job. It's not like this is all he does. And maybe this is a, an admission that you do need more corporate knowledge, especially in the front office. I mean, the coaching thing, I think maybe there's also a little bit of Frank Vogel took care of Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd wants to try to take care of Frank Vogel, you know, that sort of stuff. But the front office thing, it does seem like this is a step in the right direction, no matter what. You're bringing in more wisdom, which is was lacking, I think, in the front office. It's, again, it's not about how the job has been done, but it's just obvious that the, the lack of vision to me shows the lack of experience. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's too much to say about the, the Vogel and, and head coaching, you know, addition or, or, if, you know, Vogel ends up getting a head coaching job or, you know, just, it doesn't Vogel's work out. He goes somewhere coach. else. If you can get He's him a, on yeah. the staff, hell yeah. I look, honestly, man, one of the things that I wish more young coaches would do is that go out and get some of these old guys. Don't be scared. You're going to lose your job to a more experienced coach. You know, that's, um, I think that this is a like Joe Missoula in, in Boston, right? We just watched him learning on the fly, struggling. I think Frank Vogel would be a great assistant for Joe Missoula. I don't know if he's a great assistant for Jason Kidd, who's now in year year three. How, wait, how many years has he been coaching? Going into year three. Yeah, yeah. Year three. Going into year three and also maybe feeling at least some public pressure to perform, right? Like, I mean, if, if they don't hire Vogel and Dallas is struggling to start the season and they're like 10 and 25 or something, 10 and 20, I mean, Jason Kidd could get fired. It's year three. This is, this is how things go. So it's a little bit more of a risky proposition. If you're Jason Kidd, that's, that'd be my one reservation about, you know, maybe creating uh, an issue there, but man, Frank Vogel in my head, coach. it would try to get Mike D'Antoni. See if you can get an offensive mind in there. I mean, go out and get all these old guys. I mean, they're the old basketball coach knows what he's doing. Yeah. And Jason in my Kidd head is learning. It, it does seem like at least that kid was the assistant, was the associate head coach to Vogel. And, and, you know, now it's, you know, uh, roles are reversed. Well, but we did uh, that, this thing when Jason seems Kidd, to make it easier. You know, when that, Jason that's true, Kidd went there yeah. as, an, as the head assistant. We all assumed Jason Kidd was going to undercut Vogel, try to take the job. I mean, this was kind of because his MO has been in organizations to try to assume more power. I don't now. I don't, I haven't heard anything like that in Dallas. So no. maybe this is just, look, we want to get better. Part of that is we've got blind spots in our coaching staff and Frank Vogel, man, that's a great set of eyes to add to your coaching staff. So I think well, that how much is, more power was, in Dallas there is for for kid to assume that he doesn't have already. I mean, I right. think that's a valid question to ask. Yeah. I, I I can't answer it with certainty, but you know, I do think that he has a lot of influence, mm -hmm. uh, you know, within the front office. Um, yeah. 
Uh, but I think it's a great. But yeah, move. look, I, like, yeah, Vogel, if Vogel can make them actually run competent plays at the end of games, and if he can, you know, just massage some of the, you know, coaching self errors that were very evident last season, uh, I, I think I think that's a good move, and you know, especially with that one not being certain just yet. Not too much more to say about it. As far as it goes yeah. with Lindsay, uh, Dennis Lindsay, and, and Nico Harrison, first off, you said you know it's really hard to judge front offices. It is um, because every move that a front office makes is part of a grand scheme that is building towards something. Coaching is much more about you know specific seasons, and and, mm-hmm. and you can really examine things with you know a, a start and an end point. Uh, you can't do that with front offices. And you know I, I actually wrote about this a bit a bit last week where. You know, even the moves that, uh, you know, that that Nico Harrison came in and made, um, you know, even even last summer, you know, even the Christian Wood trade. That was a trade that moved off salary for Trey Burke, who was somehow given a three year contract with a player option, I believe, uh, by the old front office. It was to move off of um, Sterling Brown, who was a player that kid coached in Milwaukee. As I as I said, you know, put the pieces together. Mm-hmm. Whether Nico Harrison is or should be, or you know, will grow into somebody who's like, nah, nah, nah Sterling Brown's not going to help us. We're not going to sign him. I, I don't know. And you know, for all I know, he was all for the move. But you know, I'm sure there's some kid influence in there. Yeah. And then uh, Boban was was included as well. And you know, who wanted Boban on the team? Mark Cuban. That was a Mark Cuban signing. You know, yeah. from from the very first contract that he got in Dallas, and. So when you look at it that way and and you look at, you know, the fact that Dallas would have drafted Jaden Hardy with the pick that they had and they ended up drafting him anyway. I think you can look at that move, even with the way that Christian Wood's season in Dallas played out. I think you can look at that move and say that's a success. But, you know, we've also seen how Christian Wood played out. We, we yeah, also, but you, you know, maybe you that's indicative swings. of some disconnect. Um, you know, maybe it isn't. Uh, who knows? Maybe they tried to move on from him and, and weren't able to. Uh, you know that like last summer it's it's uh these are hard things to know for sure but it's just to kind of to point out how you know the front office is still you know the the previous front office their decisions are still affecting the decisions that the team is making even to this point to a degree yeah but you got to take swings And, and i and i think that the christian wood trade was a swing if it if it had worked out, you know, then we're all singing a different tune, and and that's kind of how this thing goes. Um, you know, part of that was trying to recover from the punch to the nose that losing Jalen Brunson wound up being, right? Like, I mean, you're you're scrambling at this point, trying to figure out how you're going to replace that productivity, and you know, and, and again, that that yeah. has to fall on Nico Harrison to some level, but yeah, it's really hard for me to look at that situation and not, you know see mark cuban's influence with it's also normal i mean this is like it's not abnormal nobody nobody made a huge mistake you know and i think that that's where you you can say oh this front office doesn't know what they're doing no one no one blew a a contract signing like uh on some particulars nobody um you know gave up a unprotected pick that they shouldn't have i mean you know i'll I'll say this i I think if they messed up the Jalen, if if the front office specifically because i think Mark Cuban did not want to resign Jalen Brunson or, or give him that sure. amount of money. Uh, it's that's that's my belief on these things yeah. uh, on on how that went down last summer. The front office did think that they could get a sign and trade done. They did not think that the Knicks were going to be able to move money. So I think if there is a a front office 
you know, a, mm -hmm. a one part of that that is very clearly, you know, that that has to fall on on Nico's ledger. Right. It is the idea that he walked for nothing, that they weren't able to, yeah. um, you know, be proactive and, and able to get something back for that, that they, you know, that that it was completely a lost asset with with nothing in return. But, you know, as we all know, as we all know very well, you know, it was the previous front office that allowed Jalen Brunson's contract to be structured in a way that he was unrestricted at the end of his rookie deal. You know, it, it goes on and on and on and on. And so adding another voice, adding someone like Den Dennis Lindsay, um, pretty damn important this summer, especially because this is about as important as any season, you know, as any off season is for, for a franchise, you know, this is, this is the one, you know, maybe, maybe if Luca leaves Dallas here in a few years, we'll look back and, you know, we might start with the Brunson situation, but if he stays, if he signs a second contract, I think what's likeliest is that we'll look back on this coming summer and say, these are the moves they made to put a team around Luca, you know, that incentivized and allowed him to be comfortable staying with this team, with this franchise to prove to him that this front office is competent and, and is able to do, you know, build a title contending team around him like he wants, which brings us to the summer that is, you know, this is a, a, writing on it. a lottery pick that this team didn't want you know they did not want to be in the lottery this they should be acting like this is the last lottery pick they're gonna have you have Luka yep. Doncic on your team you should you this so this thing has so much value internally for them um yeah I mean it's a huge summer and it starts with the draft it starts with the draft um, yeah I, I can imagine in like whatever war room or or front office room they do their meetings in you know, they had probably they I don't think they used pencil to cross out this year's first round pick. Oh, right. Like yeah. like it was it was bright red Sharpie X through it. This pick is getting conveyed to New York and to have to backtrack when the season played out like it did and to be like, oh, you know, there is going to be a lottery pick, you know, and, and to to throw the last couple games to to make sure of that, you know, the, it definitely is, a, is absolutely unexpected. So what do you think of? You know all the conversations. Uh, you're not as in tune with the uh, with the uh, minutia of, of Mavs online discourse, and you should be no. very grateful <laughs> for that. Yeah, but there's I been there's been a lot of talk. Everyone's mad at Tony Jones yeah. right now, but you know. Um, oh, that, I don't even know what that that's happens. about. That happens. I don't even know what that's about. Time. But <laughs> so my my question is, you know, I, I think you know on on uh, you know on the podcast last week, you know, I was talking talking draft and. You know, the idea of them trading down but not completely out is pretty appealing. Um, now, whether they're going to get an offer like that, whether that's the best offer, right. whether that should be something they prioritize uh, is a very big question. It's a very different thing. But if that's possible, that seems to make sense. You know, if they just have to move the pick, um, I don't know. I mean, it depends on who's there. Um but on the flip side, the value of trading that pick will be higher if a player who the Mavericks are more likely to draft slips to number 10. So it's it's kind of like you do want those players to slip. Um, but the motivation to trade it is going to be even higher if if you know that is the situation that plays out here in about a month. If if a guy you're drafting is the only way that you can come up with to improve your team for next season. You're just you're just blowing another season. 
because the number 10 pick in this draft is not going to contribute to winning next year, probably the the year after. Like we know this, like NBA players take a few years to be able to do anything. So I think that the move has to be either trading to pick outright or trading down and hope, you know, pick up a role player or two. I don't, I don't know what teams are giving away. You know, quality. Yeah, you know, a, a Hawkins, a Hood Shafino, um, or if you draft Eric Lively, the you know the the Duke Duke center, right? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's from yeah. Duke. Uh, you know, you know, he wouldn't contribute year one, but no. th- then you're at least thinking we've got a cost control rookie salary center. I'm not saying it's totally uh, that worth we're trying to build towards, but these are all options if you even get an offer that is available to move down. That is not guaranteed. Ten is not a great spot to be. Oh, it's, because but it's not the worst. It's not, it's not the worst, but ideally, you know, teams that are at 16, 17, 18 probably feel good that whoever they would pick at 10, if they were drafting 10, they probably feel pretty good that, you know, a player or two is going to be available at 16 as well. Right. And so that's, I mean, that's a, the really it's tricky thing about this draft. role player draft. Yeah. Uh, it's just that, again, like this team, you know, the timeline for this team is supposed to be now, not three four years from now so you know uh, unless unless you you have a path through the draft to doing that which you know but so this is the big question dave yeah this is the big question the timeline is now we know that but if this team is not in a situation to actually build a title contending team now why would you keep and and we're just talking in hypotheticals we are like like maybe they can maybe they can't but if the team feels that way, if they're like, you know, if if the best that they're going to be able to do this summer to get closer to title contention is half measures or, you know, polishing around the edges. Is it not worthwhile to maybe say we're going to take a few lumps, you know, we're going to be a seventh or eighth seed, a, a, certainly a play in team, probably better than that, because it's really hard to be bad with Luca on the roster. But the title contention dreams might have to wait a couple seasons, you know, while we take another, you know, a youngster who's going to need development, you know, who can be showcased for, you know, that next potential big trade. But that trade might be a couple years from now, um, you know, or or two deadlines from now. It's it's a really difficult dilemma because balancing the fact that this timeline is sped up and, you know, you can't reverse the timeline. You know, you you can just you can choose a different one, but that brings its own set of complications and concerns and worries about what Luka Doncic might feel about it. And I don't know, man. They're they're in such a tricky place. I I don't quite want to say they're stuck because I do think that you know a clever front office can make this team better, and we'll see if they're able to do that. It's tricky. Because your assets on the roster are are incredibly limited. I mean, Dorian Finney-Smith was probably your best tradable asset as far as a player goes and already traded him. Um, You know, you're hoping for a Kyrie Irving sign-in trade at a minimum if you're not able to bring him back. But, I, you know, I'm pulling up the draft. I just want to – number 10 pick in last year's draft was Johnny Davis. Now, I mean, that's the Wizards drafting, okay? Year before that, Zaire Williams – Year before that, Jalen Smith. 
who actually I, I like a lot. Uh, who's in I, I can tell how that. little you're in the Mavs discourse. Like I like I Cam said earlier, Reddish. this has been a whole debate. This has okay. been a whole. Just debate let you know. By, I mean, it uh, just it it takes... started by our lovable friend Istok Franco. Oh, of course, perfect. Yeah, I mean, it just yeah. takes a minute. You know, um, it does. And yeah, it is a t- it's the toughest spot, and it's the problem that you and I have just been talking about since we started the podcast, which is being too good too fast actually shot them in the foot from a team building perspective. Um, but you got to find a way to, uh, to come out of it one way or the other. And it may be Tim that you got to do it the hard way, which is maybe it's two years of we're in the seven to 11 range. We're piecing things together. We're clearing up our books. We're hoping free agency, you know, becomes a thing again. We're hoping players want to come play here and, and you take the next couple years and and hope that you can figure it out but i mean you got two more years of javel mcgee to get off your books so i i, I do think that there's a little bit of sunk cost here that yeah. i i think that the team and it depends on what happens this summer what's available this summer what what the options are i, I think the team it, it still might be best for them to just keep pushing ahead but I do think that this front office, which was never expecting to have a season like this, um, there can be a feeling of sunk cost when they're so committed to this timeline of winning now and building a win now team that I'm sure it's difficult. You know, I'm sure they're trying to do this right now, but I'm sure it's difficult to take a step back and be like, some of our under you know assumptions and understandings and beliefs about this team are in fact incorrect and they're proven incorrect very visibly and catastrophically by the results of last season. And so if bringing in someone like Dennis Lindsay is able to, you know, if he can be an outsider looking in with a clear headed vision about what this team really is and where they're going and what the best course of action, what the best steps are, that's probably that. I mean, that has to be a good thing. And, made, and for that reason, yeah, he helped build a consistent, home court advantage playoff team in the, in the West in Utah, no free agents. I mean, it, this is lost drafting. a free agent lost. Gordon free Hayward. Agents. That's right. Yeah. This is drafting. This and is team building. Beat. This is continuity. This is, you know what I mean? I mean, this is a guy who like, he knows how to do this. We wouldn't be having this conversation right now about the Miami heat. If they were in, if they had Luka Doncic in the number 10 pick, we'd be like, Oh wow. They're man. Can they make the conference finals next year? And I'm right. not saying, like, like, you know, they're different. But Dennis Lindsay, I think, gets you closer to that than where you are now. So, like, that's a great move. But it's it's hard. It's it's hard to be really good in the NBA. My, Miami was awful in the regular season. I hated watching them. And then they were able to flip a switch in the playoffs. You know, maybe you just have to try to be that kind of team. Maybe it's about, you know, we're limping our way till we get to the playoffs. And then Luka Doncic. Please be a superhero for 25 games. I mean, it's hot in Dallas. I don't know if you can call it heat culture here, but uh, maybe humid culture, actually. (laughs) (laughs) All right. On that note, uh, I think we're going to get out of here. Dave, thank you. Listeners, thank you for listening. It's what you do best. We'll see you. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well.
gates in heaven.